Picture the classic stock image of doctors in white lab coats looking at an x-ray. And there's probably someone pointing at the x-ray and another person going like, hmm. But in this stock image, they're trying to diagnose something by looking at an x-ray. But what if in this picture we replaced the doctors in the white lab coats with computers? It's possible that we can use computers to look at x-rays and diagnose people. My name is Louis Colaratolo, and I am not a doctor in a white lab coat, but I am a graduate student at the University of Guelph, trying my absolute best over here to get a PhD in food science. And when I should be working on my PhD, but I'm not, I like to talk to other graduate students in different fields to see what they're researching and why any of that matters. Today we're talking with Janita Monogarden, who is someone who talks to computers who look at x-rays. In fact, she is trying to teach computers to be able to diagnose COVID by looking at lung x-rays. Because yes, even computers have to deal with COVID. So listen up to this conversation that we have with Janita, and keep in mind while you're listening that we are grad students. We don't know everything, but you're listening to an episode of We Know Some Stuff. Hi, Janita. How are you doing today? Good, Luis. How are you? I'm I'm doing all right. Could you do us a favor and give us your educational history? So uh, I did my bachelor's uh, in engineering from India, actually. I got my bachelor's from India, and then I moved to Canada 10 years back for my master's program. So both my bachelor's and master's are in electronics and uh, communication engineering. So right now I'm doing my PhD in uh, biomedical engineering, where I deal with uh, medical image analysis using AI field. So my first uh, research was on COVID project. So I did some classification using COVID images, how to implement or how to develop automated tool using AI for COVID. And now I'm working on lung cancer diagnosis. All right. So, so there's a lot of information loaded in there. And, and you did a big project at the very beginning of your PhD, if I understand correctly. You did a big project about COVID. What is COVID? I haven't heard of that before. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> what, what was it like working on COVID? Uh, being a grad student that's uh, maybe even potentially not allowed to go into the lab. What was that like? Good question, Lewis, because, you know, when we were introduced to pandemic, this project was given to me. So I have no idea about COVID symptoms or how does it look like in an X-ray image. So I had to go through these images first to see if there is any visible thing that I can see or I can differentiate with the human eye possibly. Because a radiologist can eventually do, right? Because he is trained to do those things. But us as humans, we don't have any background knowledge on that. So I did go through those x-rays to see or how can I use it to develop my tool. But to be true, I cannot identify any variation in that. Everything looked same to me. So I was asked to look into like 8,000 x-ray images. But just to let you know, like there were only 200 images available for COVID cases because it was pretty new. Not much images were available for researchers or for public access. So I have to wait and make my model train on some of these limited images. So yeah, it was challenging at first with not much of data available. But later, as I moved on with the project, I was able to collect more cases and I was able to develop more accurate and more uh, automated too. All right, so, so let's start at the very beginning of all of this. 
COVID, as we have become all too familiar with, is a respiratory virus, which means it exists in your lungs, or at least it affects your lungs a lot. Uh, And if a doctor wants to see what's going on in your lungs, they take an x-ray, right? X-rays? X-rays is one of the common modality used. There's a a lot of ways, but let's say we're using an x-ray. And uh, I'm thinking of those classic scenes and like soap operas like ER or or any medical show. And you got a bunch of doctors in a room and it's a dark room. And then they put the, you know, that little, the, 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 the I don't know what you want to call it, the file up onto the light board. Yes. And it, it shines, right? Yeah. Those are those x-rays. So so they, they look at that x-ray and they say, hmm, this person must have COVID. But that's not entirely how it works. Right. Uh, actually, uh, COVID is pretty visible in the lung X-rays. Okay. Okay. So if you look at a healthy and a COVID-affected patient, it's just like a fluid formation, similar to pneumonia case, right? So COVID patients, when they get into severity, they eventually end up getting pneumonia. So it's like a or what's the medical term used is called ground glass. It's like a patchy uh, one that you can. The radiologist can see in the X-ray images, obviously, yes. All right. But not on earlier cases. That might be challenging. Okay, 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 right. So we know that COVID can get bad. Not everyone who gets it, it gets like, you know, really affected by it. But also with time, without treating it, it can get worse. Like a lot of uh, diseases and infections and things like that. Um, To add to that, Lewis, it depends upon the patient case, like whether they are immunosuppressant or the age factor, or they had like, you know, other chronic illness. This might lead to severity, but we have seen cases where People had symptoms and were able to, you know, recover from COVID. In some cases, they were asymptomatic too. So it depends upon the patients too. All right. Okay. All right. So so it's not, you know, black and white, although x-rays are black and white. Uh, so, but but it's not a black and white either, you know, okay, if a person is tested positive for COVID, they absolutely are going to look like this, or they're absolutely going to look like that. So let's say that we have a population of people who have tested positive for COVID, and they have gotten chest x-rays uh, to look at their lungs. And you say to yourself, all right, I need to determine from an x-ray without the eyeball of a human whether or not this person has COVID. So you train a computer to do that. What, before we get into the computer, what were you looking for? So mainly I was looking to see if I was able to see the differences. Obviously you can see some difference between a healthy lung and a COVID patient lungs, right? There will be some kind of, what to say, a foggy texture in their lungs. So it, it's, it's quite visible. It's not a clear lungs like you see in a healthy patient. But the important thing is to differentiate between pneumonia case and the COVID study, right? Because COVID, when goes to severity, they will end up with pneumonia. But earlier detection is what my priority was. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So earlier detection. All right, so you're looking at these x-rays. You're trying to detect early detection, which, right, early detection is always helpful. Um, You know, early detection is one of the best ways that we can treat people. Exactly. But then you run into a number of complications because you're a human. You're looking at this x-ray and you see something like a pacemaker. 
and your human brain says, oh, well, that's a pacemaker. Or you see something like the labels that the hospital uses on the x-rays, and you say, oh, (laughs) that's a label. I'm a human. I'm so smart. I know that's a label. But computers aren't smart in the same way. They're probably smarter than us, but they're not smart in the same way. So... What what happened when you when you were running into these kinds of issues? So the main concern why I looked into these uh, labels or pacemakers, we put that as artifacts. Okay, so why I was more interested in these artifacts is like the normal, the healthy cases and the pneumonia cases were taken from different hospital, okay, under one setting, but the COVID was from various hospitals from all over the world. So I don't want my model to classify based on those labels, because if it looks into those labels, right, all the pneumonia has one single label. So it can easily identify as, hey, this is pneumonia. This is healthy. And all the other labels that are different, it might classify as COVID. So that's one thing I was concerned about, because I don't want any misdiagnosis in my tool. All right. Okay. So let me let me try to put this in different language and tell me if I'm wrong. Let's say you're giving a child uh, pictures of different fruit, and one whenever you show them a picture of an orange, it is in a picture frame that has a black, you know, uh, outline. And you keep on giving them pictures of oranges with a black outline frame, and then one day you give them a picture of an orange, but it doesn't have that black outline frame. It has a blue outline frame. They might say to themselves, no, that's not, that, that can't be an orange. There's no black outline. Yes, you're right. If the child is looking into the outline. Oh, okay. Right? All right. Fair. If you train her to look into the orange, then she can identify it. So that's what All I'm right. my tool to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. So these computers, you can say like, hey, ignore this outline. Ignore this label. We want you looking at the lungs. Uh, that's what we have to test, yes. So that's the reason why I'm giving more data so it can ignore those artifacts and learn the features present in the lungs. Okay, all right. Now let's move on to the computer programming part of this. Uh, we use a big fancy word that everybody loves. I, I, I have hardly come across anyone who doesn't get super excited to hear the words artificial intelligence. And we've talked about computers being smart. And we've talked about humans being smart. Um, We talked about them being smart in different ways. Could you give us like a a broad definition of artificial intelligence? So AI is a big field and it has been there for over the last decades, right? Over a decade now. But what it does is it helps the mission to mimic human brain. This is what it's trying to do. So with the, uh, for that, it requires a lot of data. Like say if I'm training a robot to walk, right? So I can't, um, I can train it to look into the past, how many different robots walked, and then I can train on it. So it learns from different past data available and it tries to mimic. So that's what AI is about. So uh, previously the data were not much available, but right now we have these electronic health records, right? Everything, if you go to a normal clinic, your blood pressure, your diabetic level, everything is being recorded electronically. So we have this ample amount of data available. So we use this data and we train the model. So it's able to uh, learn based upon these data. 
that's it. So that's what it's trying to do. So AI is trying to learn the complicated structures that's available. All right, so let's compare this to something else. I Let's pretend I don't know how to cook at all. And back in the 1950s, there was maybe like one cooking show. I think it was like, you know, the Julia Child uh, cooking show. Um, but now there are so many cooking shows out there. By studying all these cooking shows, watching them 24-7, I could eventually learn how to cook just from watching these videos. I don't have to go to a culinary school. I don't have to have, like, a chef mentor me or anything like that. But just from watching these videos, because there's so many of them available now, I can potentially teach myself to cook. That's what AI does, yes. All right, okay. So we are teaching a computer to identify whether an x-ray shows uh, if a person in the x-ray, of course, ha has COVID or doesn't have COVID. Yes, so you're making the computer to learn, basically. So not based upon the data. So you're making the computer to learn through the data given to it. So when I introduce a new x-ray from a different hospital, it should be able to identify that particular feature that's unique to COVID. Right, because each hospital is going to have different labels. They're going to have different ways that they do things. They probably have like different light settings. Exactly. Uh, for the, so so there's, there's got to be like a whole bunch of different issues. And if you just make this one, you know, AI to figure out for one hospital, then you would have to make an AI for every single hospital on the planet. And that seems incredibly inefficient. Yes, we need something that's uh, flexible with different data from different hospitals. Yes, you're right. Okay, so you train up this computer. It is recognizing, oh, yep, that's a COVID case. That's not a COVID case. This one is yes, yes, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. Awesome. That's great. And you did this project a little while ago, That more than two years ago you started this project? Uh, a year ago. Okay, so things have changed <laughs> substantially. <laughs> substantially, things have changed since then. Uh, and, and I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, but if we have something like the molecular test or the antigens test, w what's the point of looking at an x-ray? Uh, good question, actually. So if the, it's the antigen test. These tests take time, okay? And it needs... Uh, human intervention. So the main idea for developing this automated tool is to minimize the human intervention, especially in COVID cases where uh, it's a pandemic, right? We don't want, want uh, it to be uh, a big spread. So to avoid the spread, we are trying to minimize the human intervention. So we are developing an automated tool. So that's the reason why uh, these antigen tests or uh, these uh, PCR tests uh, works, but not for uh, long term. Like it takes time to get the results too. So think about if it takes like 24 hours, the patient can go to a shop or meet someone and it can, you know, lead to spread of the disease. Okay. So this is, this is immediate. They go in, they get the x-ray, the x-ray gets uploaded to your AI. Uh, and then it's like either yay or nay. Yes. Okay. All right. So, the thing that I think is interesting that you said, we're, we're training computers and we love computers. I sit in front of one for like 26 hours a day. But at the same time, like we, we need computers to do certain jobs because humans make a lot of errors. Computers make a lot of errors too. 
But with something like the PCR test, a human has to go in, take that vial of spit or whatever you gave them. Um, then they have to, you know, take some of that spit out and move it to another container, mix it with something, put it into a different container, move it to something, load it into a machine, run the machine three, four, five times. And if they, you know, uh, put it into the wrong vial or put it into this one or put it into the wrong slot, a lot of errors can go along the way. But with your program, it is take an image. Um, now, of course, I think it's worth noting that there can be errors introduced in the image taking of the x-ray. Am I am I right to say that? Uh, not error. If my model is trained. Okay. Right? Look into the proper features. I don't have to worry about the other errors. Oh, okay. So you're making a model that even, like, takes care of that stuff, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, this is a fancy model. Okay. All right. Uh <laughs> So, so if we are able to eliminate sort of this human interaction that goes into this thing, uh, not only are you creating a more robust, that's such a big word. Everyone, we love the word robust. Uh, you're, you're creating a more robust diagnosis, but also a potentially safer diagnosis. So the main concern here is, uh, Louis, we are avoiding human intervention because of COVID. It's a pandemic situation, so we don't want... Uh, we want to avoid the spread of the disease. That's the case. But if you see the tools, right, AI tools, it's mainly used, another scenario where it is used is an earlier detection, right? Because, say, cancer, if the my model, because human can look into certain structures, but the models can learn deeper into it. So I can train an algorithm. So it can go for early diagnosis of the disease. Studies say that, it's able to diagnose three years prior to the onset of the symptoms for arthritis, right? So that's, that way, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that can wow. help in prevention of the disease wow. when it is detected earlier. So that's the main motive of AI in medicine, not to replace humans, but for earlier detection to give, provide a good um, you know, care for the patients. Thank you for clarifying that. You know, I, I think I was a little heavy handed on the whole, like, uh, you know, destroy all humans. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I think it's super interesting. And one thing that I know you did talk a little bit about um, sometime before was the potential of using it to identify different variants. Now, preface, uh, I, I listened to a speech you gave. Uh, and this was in a in a competition. It was a speaking competition for your thesis. And this this uh, speech was given almost about a year ago, before the concept of variance was running wild in our brains. So tell us what you knew back then, and how you planned on using your models and your your program in order to look at potential variants. Um, so when I started this project uh, about couple of months later there was there was some you know talk going on about the new variant so that's my concern one of the concerns that i have to implement into developing the automated tool because you can see the new variant that's been widespread now right here in canada we can see that in india uh, i'm from india so in india it's 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 almost everybody has it in developing countries where treatments are really hard right these kind of tools would provide a means uh, to control the variant to a greater extent. That's what I'm saying. The spread increases, right? Omicron is worse when compared to the COVID being introduced, like in the sense that how fast it spreads, 
between different people. So that, that's my concern. So maybe if I can detect it early, I can put that patient in isolation, right? I can also see how severe the patient case is. That is also possible in AI, not only in diagnosis, it can be used in you know, testing the severity of the patients too. So if that patient is severe, then I can, you know, pretend they need a ventilator or they need to be admitted in the emergency. So these things can be taken into account too. So hospitalization becomes much more easier using this AI tool. So I need a fast tool, right? More than an automated tool, I need a fast tool that's able to diagnose within a certain time. Not like 20, 24 hours is, is actually a long time for the spread of the disease. Say if I have given the test and if I come home and I have my family members at home, right? So I'm not gonna isolate until I get the result back or I might be an asymptomatic patient. So also the accuracy level has to be taken into account too. All right, so this this makes sense, right? We could get like a pass fail, whether you have it or you don't have the, the disease. But then on top of that, because these computers are just so darn smart, they can tell how severe the disease is. Exactly. So, so you think about hospitals, and they have that triage system where they, you know, they admit the the patients that are in the most need first, and then they move backwards. So, with this potential diagnostic tool that you've developed or are developing, you could potentially say, like, oh, this person is in need of immediate care. Like, this person needs to go right now. Whereas this person, yeah, you tested positive, but as long as you, you know, go home and you're safe and you're isolated, we're good. We don't need you to take up a hospital bed. We don't need to have uh, a bunch of staff uh, working on you. Yes, you're positive, but you're okay for now. Yes, yes, Louis, you're right. That's that's the main goal of my uh, tool because uh, the problem with this is like diagnosing is great like classifying an image as yes you are healthy or you're um, you have COVID that's great I can especially in airports it's work right you can make the healthy patient leave the airport faster because right now everyone are put in uh, put in for testing right and until they get the results now it's quite changing but it initially when I started this project it was a chaos so we were trying to avoid those things and we were trying to take those things into consideration. But more than diagnosis, I need to know how severe the disease is too, because that plays a vital role in starting the prior treatment in the affected patient. So that has to be taken into account, which I also uh, did that on the developing this automated tool. Yes. And now a molecular test or an antigen test, they can't give you any information about that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is starting to make some sense over here. Well, it already made plenty of sense. <laughs> this is this is making a lot of sense here. Uh, so when you are developing this type of program, you always say that you're feeding it a lot of information. Uh, do you have any idea of how many X-rays you used to you know get started? Yes, around um, eight thousand images. <laughs> <laughs> but remember in that. A fourth around, I would say around 6,000 was healthy and pneumonia cases. But because of the shortage of uh, x-rays available for COVID, it was around only 2,000. I fed it to the model, but still the model was able to learn and it was able to classify. So that's something that uh, AI does. Okay, so that must have been like a lot of disk space, a lot of USB drives of like five JPEGs. Of... <laughs> they, those are not 3D, right? So it's fine. 
cuties. That's yeah, so. fair. Fair, fair enough. They weren't. They weren't. You know that intense. Uh, all right. You you gave it so much information. You, you you just flooded this thing. But then you have to say like, hey, computer, this information is not the information you need. How do you how do you tell a computer to ignore certain parts? <laughs> to be true, I can't do that. Okay. Computer does it automatically, right? So, I feed the model. I train the model. And uh, I have a test set set apart, okay? So those are not included while training the model. So the model has no idea when I introduce those test set to it, it's brand new to it. But the same training data into it, it can easily identify because it has been learning that for a long time. So the accuracy will be greater. So we have to have a test set that not has been introduced. So we introduce to it and we see how it performs. So we have these metrics to see how the performance are. Uh, but I need to know how the model looks into to an extreme image, right? So that's where the heat map comes into account. There are many other techniques that can be used. So one of the techniques is heat map. So the heat map gives a color coding that lets you know on what basis the model classified this particular X-ray as COVID or not. So that's something I looked into to make sure that it looked into the right features and not based upon the labels or the pacemakers or other probes present in the x-rays. All right. So I, I have absolutely no idea how this works, but let me throw something out there and tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you know, when this computer is looking at an image and it's trying to determine, yes, it has COVID or no, it doesn't, it, it looks all over the image, right? And it, it grabs evidence from all over the image it's like oh here 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 uh oh this is like one point for yes one point for no one point for yes one point for yes one point for no and it i'm guessing kind of creates like a score of some sorts yes and then at some point it says like all right the score is above this level this person is covid positive is that something like what's happening um to put it in a precise term it looks into the patterns okay normally like a structured pattern. So if you take, uh, if you, you can't see those patterns in healthy lungs, right? Healthy lungs are much clearer, so it's easier for it to detect it's healthy. But when you take COVID, there, there are some foggy areas present in the lungs. So it lo learns those patterns while it is training. And when I introduce a new image, it looks for those patterns if it is present or not if it has trained on the right feature. So if my model has trained, then it will highlight that a particular pattern and it recognizes as COVID. So yes, it's trends. All right, and then you you feed it a test model. So these are images it's never seen before. Yes. And it's kind of like a final exam of sorts to see how well it did. Exactly, true. Okay, all right, so final exam. Say if I give you the same quiz you have done throughout your semester, obviously you will get good marks on that, right? But if I give yeah. you a brand new quiz that you have never seen before, but test you, but it's identical to the ones you did before. You know what right. I mean? So it's not like completely different. So it is related yeah. to the quiz you have taken, but it's new. That's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a math test with different numbers this time. <laughs> Same problems, different numbers. Exactly. All right. Okay, so you, you trained up this machine. You have said, all right, it can identify this. It can look at the severity of that. Uh, when it comes down to it, could you summarize everything and, and just why this is important? I know you've already said it before, but just one more time to put a beautiful bow on the end of this episode. Why is what you did important? 
Thank you. That's a good question. So to summarize this talk, right, the main purpose why I developed this automated tool is one thing is for earlier deduction, because uh, by the time we go to the doctor's office, right, either the disease is worsened, not only COVID, in any other cases, right, earlier deduction plays a vital role. So especially in COVID cases, when we have shortness of breath or when we have like, you know, the disease becomes severe, that's the time we are like, okay, there is something wrong. We have to take a test. So first thing is earlier deduction because by the time we realize that we are exposed to so many people, so without knowing or not, we have spread the disease already. So I thought um, an earlier deduction, a faster deduction tool might help to reduce the spread to a greater extent. And the second thing was to develop an automated tool. So it should automatically be able to look into the X-ray images and give the results. So a faster deduction with an automated tool will not only you know, stop the spread, but also reduces the number of people being exposed to this disease too, right? So those are the two main concerns that I had. So not only to classify it, but also learning the severity of this also helps in hospitalization, in earlier isolation in some patients, and to start prior treatment in some patients. And now, correct me if I'm wrong again, but this is kind of like uh, the beginning of something that could be used for something else. Like if you're training this program to learn how to identify COVID, before you know it, it might be able to learn how to identify uh, cystic fibrosis or uh, I'm running out of lung diseases. I only knew that one. <laughs> what other lung diseases are there? No, pneumonia, you pneumonia know that one. Pneumonia is there. COPD is uh, there. There are a lot of lung the, infections. Yes, and <laughs> also there is an interesting talk that's going on, Lewis, if you know it or not, that they are expecting more panting to come in the future too. Yeah, Right. I so know. if we have a tool that is developed and that's in use in medical terms, right? So it will be very useful when we come across this kind of pandemics in the future. So we can take in the future where we can take certain steps to control the spread. I cannot say it will stop the COVID completely. It's not going to happen, but we can, you know, control the spread of the disease to a greater extent. Well, we all thank you for that as we sit, you know, in a virtual, you know, conversation right now, <laughs> you know, so, so we're all very thankful that you're doing your part to, you know, try to stop the spread. Thank you. Thank you. All right, it was a true pleasure talking with you. Um, I, I learned so much. So thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you. Our conversation with Janita covered COVID, computers, and COVID and computers, and how computers see COVID. And although we have to say that computers sometimes make mistakes, we always have to say even more that humans sometimes make mistakes, which is why every single episode of We Know Some Stuff ends with a fact check. So for today's fact check, we have one thing that needed to be addressed. In one point in which we were talking about tests that do not use Janita's artificial intelligence, the phrase rapid test was used in place of what should have been molecular test. So if you think about it, the rapid tests are the ones that you can do at home, whereas the molecular tests are the ones that have to be sent over to a laboratory. So we were talking about the ones that are processed by people in laboratories, and therefore they were the molecular tests. And that was the only mistake that we found, 
But if more mistakes arise in the future, we'll be the first ones to correct them. But until that time comes, thank you for listening to another episode of We Know Some Stuff.